Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. Martin Luther said, Our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf in springtime. And while Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for our sins, as vital as that is, it is his resurrection that gives us the reassurance of our own resurrection and victory over death. And like the pristine springtime leaf, we will arise with glorious new bodies fit to spend eternity with Jesus. Join us now as we explore Christ's victory over death and look at the evidence of the resurrection. On our panel today, we have Lena Yoon and Rosemary Malkovich. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. To start our program, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, we want to thank you again, Lord, for this, uh, this uh, study. Lord, we thank you for the marvellous resurrection of Jesus and what it means for us today. And as we have this discussion now, we ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us. And may you give us wisdom and give our viewers too wisdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it was indeed the darkest hour. The disciples' Messiah had just been crucified and I can imagine they would have spent that first Sabbath totally devastated both mentally and spiritually. And the irony is that death should not have come as a surprise to them. So, Rosemary, why shouldn't it have come as a surprise to them? Jesus had told them on at least three occasions that are recorded that he was going to be betrayed, killed and rise again three days later. Well, in the three day period. And they shouldn't have been surprised. Let's have a look at one of those. Um, Matthew 20 verses 17 to 19. And in this situation, it is not too long before he is crucified and he plainly speaks to them and says, Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify and the third day he will rise again. Now that sounds awfully plain to me. And he said this, as I said, on at least three occasions. He told them he was going to be crucified. He told them he was going to, to die and rise again. And they seem to take no notice of what he said. Now, if they had have taken notice, they would have been rejoicing while he was in the tomb, looking forward to the resurrection day but they were terrified. Mm. So, Lena, did they have an excuse? What is, their ex what is the reason why they couldn't uh, remember Jesus plainly telling them? Um, it is because they had the mistaken belief that Jesus as Messiah would deliver them from the Romans and um, make Israel a great nation. But th this did not happen. And in spite of all the miracles they witnessed, um, they doubted 
that Jesus was Messiah. Um, but um, his enemies, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, believed what Jesus said. Um, mm. So we can uh, find this in Matthew 27, 62 to um, 64. So now the next day the f- uh, that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest he, uh, his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. So um, basically the, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees um, had orchestrated the death of Christ and also did not want his disciples to fake his resur- resurrection. Mm. Well, let's go through the, the events after the resurrection. Rosemary, talk us through what happened. Sorry, after the crucifixion, I should okay, say. Okay, after the crucifixion, Joseph of Arim- Arimathea, who was a Pharisee, but a believer in Jesus, asked for his body. And Nicodemus, who was also a Pharisee, who was a believer in Jesus, though he didn't lit on, he provided ointments for them to anoint his body. Um, They wrapped him in in linen. They did a a short preparation for burial. The the proper preparation would be done after because the Sabbath was coming. Mm. And they would not do it during Sabbath. So they were waiting until after. So they did a sort of a rushed burial and put him in the tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had already had prepared for himself. Um, It was a brand new tomb in the garden. Um, The Pharisees had the um, Pilate get a, a regiment of men to come and seal the tomb. Let's, let's look at that. Um, Matthew 27, we're, we're back to where Lena was mm, reading. Following on from Lena, yes. Yes, directly on from that is verse 65 and 66. And Pilate said to them, these are the, the scribes and Pharisees when they came and asked for somebody, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. So they put a seal on the the stone so it couldn't be moved. If anybody tried to tamper with it, it would be easy to see. And they had asked for a guard to come and take care of that. Um, In verse 62, it tells us that they did that on the next day after the day of preparation. So it's obviously on the Sabbath. So they actually broke the Sabbath by asking Pilate to put a guard on it at that time. And so they were there to make sure that nobody came in. They had four men at a time and they had four hour shifts and so they would have been quite and they were they were regular army soldiers yes so if anyone escaped on their watch they would pay with their lives exactly So humanly speaking he was sealed that's right very much so so lena the chief priests uh certainly wanted to keep jesus in the tomb who else wanted to keep jesus in the tomb obviously uh satan um we know Jesus lived a sinful life and defeated Satan at the cross. And also Jesus was now the antitypical sacrificial lamb of God, but, um, paying the full price of the sins of 
all humanities. Um, so we're going to read John 10, 17 and 18. Here, 17 says, Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Satan knew um, Jesus' words and knew that if Jesus rose um, from the tomb, that he knew that um, eternal life would be available to all who had died with faith in Christ. Therefore, Satan tried so hard, but obviously that didn't happen. But, you know, obviously he just wanted Jesus to be kept in the grave. Mm. A bit of a futile hope, but that's what he was <laughs> wanting to happen. Yeah. So, Rosie, what did happen that Sunday morning? OK, let's look quickly at Romans 28 verses 1 to 6. And it says... Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. So there was this massive earthquake. There'd been an earthquake when Jesus died. There's an earthquake when he rose from the, uh, from the grave. It's like his creation was acknowledging what was happening. The ladies were astonished and afraid. The guards were quaking. They were trembling. They were terrified at what was going on. But uh, the angels reassured the women, but not the men. The guards ran off to the chief priests and told them that Jesus had ridden, risen from the grave. But the chief priest said, bribe, bribe them to lie and say that the disciples had come and taken the body. Uh, they had the seal on there and the angel had broken that. But um, that story was believed by a lot of mm. the people. The thing is, if, if they had four hour shifts, they wouldn't have gone to sleep. And if they had fallen asleep on their, their watch, they would have been killed. That's exactly right. And so <clears throat> the chief priest said, don't worry, we'll make you sure with Pilate if Pilate hears about it. Yes, they, um, they tried to cover all they mm -hmm. could, mm -hmm. but there's no way you could cover that. Now, Lita, I just want to look at something r rather interesting here. I want to turn to John, and it's John chapter 20. And I'm going to read verse 11 and 12, and it says... John 20, 11 and 12. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. I want you to get a grasp or picture what Mary actually saw. What does that remind you of? What Mary saw reminds us of the sanctuary. So we can find this uh, in uh, Exodus 25:18. So it says, And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work, shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. So um, in the most place or apartment, the covering um, cherubs were at either end of the gold uh, mercy seat um, with their wings touching. 
And um, so the gold mercy seat sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant and mm -hmm. over um, the Ten Commandments inside of the Ark. And um, obviously uh, it represented Jesus as the uh, intermediary between God and man, fulfilling. So, so here we see this beautiful picture of yes. a, a slab where Jesus had laid and angels at either end and Christ had just paid the penalty for our sins on that slab. Yes. Well, he died on the cross, but the there he laid <laughs> the mercy seat. Yes. It's rather a beautiful imagery, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah definitely. Um, so basically, um, you know, uh, as you said, um, the, the, the two angels were the either of the stone where Jesus had laid. It was like all the, the, the angels, mm. um, you know, were at either of the mercy seat. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, Rosemary, another significant event occurred, which we can sort of gloss over a bit, but this is a big event, occurred at the, uh, the death of Christ. What was that? Well, it's one that we don't really understand very much. We don't have a lot of information mm. about it. But let's look at Matthew 27 and verses 51 to 53. It says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Well, we understand that one. Mm -hmm. But then it says, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves... After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, this was a resurrection of, it says, saints. Mm. So these people were people who had fallen asleep, believing in Jesus. They'd fallen asleep in death and they were raised when Jesus came out of the grave. And they went around telling everybody what had happened. Now, the Pharisees had tried to bribe the guards they had tried to seal the tomb. They had tried to get rid of Jesus. But this was an event that they couldn't hide, that they had no control over, which proved that Jesus was the Messiah they tried to deny. Now, that's interesting because we know how the Pharisees wanted to kill Lazarus, one person, because he was raised from the dead. Mm. And they're trying and to how will they deal with all these people? We, we don't know how many there were. It just tells us that they did. And yes, how would they get rid of it all these people the who most, were going around, it yeah. says here, and telling people what had happened? It must have been the most amazing uh, witness to all those who were doubting Christ's Messiahship to see these resurrected saints. That's right. Now, just regarding these, this resurrection, uh, Christ resurrected three people in his earthly ministry. There was the widow of Nain's son, there was Jairus' daughter, and there was Lazarus. What was different about their resurrection outcome and the resurrected saints uh, at the death of Christ? Well, sorry, the tombs were opened at the uh, cross, but they came forth at the resurrection of Christ. What was different about the two? Okay, the difference is that uh, when it comes to the death of, you know, widow's son at Nain and Jairus' daughter and Lazarus, they um, retained mortality, meaning that they later died again. Mm. Right. So that is a huge difference. Um, um, we know that Jesus was the fulfillment of the feast and Jesus died on Friday. We know um, the Passover and lay in the tomb on the Sabbath and uh, which was the first day of the seven day of feast and where no Passover work was to be done whatsoever. And he rose on Sunday morning with a selected uh, group of people. So basically, these people, they retained immortality. Yes, that is a huge difference. 
Yeah, now it's interesting. Um, you mentioned the feasts. One of the feasts which these represented was the wave sheaf. Yeah. Rosemary, tell us about the wave sheaf because this is, this is very key to understanding what's going on here. Yeah, it is. It is very important. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 to 11. And uh, there are a number of feasts, and this um, chapter 23 of Leviticus tells about a number of them. And it said, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. There are a number of, uh, as I said, a number of uh, festivals and things that they had. Now, let me list some. The Passover, the unleavened bread, the wave sheaf, Pentecost, trumpets, day of atonement, tabernacles. They all pointed to Christ's ministry. So if people want to do a study on this, it is full of Mm. of symbolism um, to do with points of Jesus' uh, life and death and resurrection and what he's doing in heaven. It's a wonderful thing to study. But the first fruits were their first offering of the things that they had come, um, like the barley was the Mm. first grain. So they would cut the first of the barley, take it to the priest. The priest would wave it it towards God as a symbol of the fact that they acknowledged him as their provider in all things. He was the one who gave them everything that they had. So, sorry, this, this wave sheaf, this was from before the harvest started. Even. Yes, they okay. cut it. Mm. This is the first thing they cut <clears throat> and they would take it to the priest and acknowledge God as their provider. Um, and then Jesus with these resurrected saints, it's, it's as though they are the first fruits. Jesus the first and these others that came forth at mm. the, his, um, when he rose again. They are the first fruits to go home to heaven, to God, waiting for the harvest, which Jesus says is at the end of the world, when all of those who love Jesus will come forth from their graves and join those who've already been resurrected. So this is powerful evidence that these saints who were raised, <laughs> they didn't die again. No. They, were part, they would have ascended with Christ uh, it, back to heaven. It shows that they were not up in heaven already. They were here on this earth in the grave and they came forth from the grave to go to heaven with Jesus. Yeah, they were sleeping in the Not grave. that they had already gone to, to heaven, because why would Jesus then have them come back to the earth again as resurrected yeah. people? Yeah, it's very good, very good point there. Now, Lena, many today say that the, um, the resurrection, um, sorry, baptism is representative of the resurrection. Sorry, I've got that wrong. They say that Sunday um, is representing of the resurrection. What does the Bible say about that? Uh, well, um, so obviously baptism represents the resurrection. We can find it from the scripture. So in Romans 6, 4, it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And also another um, verse, the Second Corinthians five seventeen. Here uh, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
So, um, and nowhere in the scripture actually says, um, you know, Saturday was changed to Sunday to represent the resurrection whatsoever. Okay. I just want to go back to the, the wave sheaf uh, again, mm. uh, Rosemary. What, what, is, what is the significance? Why is it so important that we understand the fulfillment of the wave sheaf as one of the feasts? It's, it's important that we understand the timing. Let me read 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. Mm. Two of the most beautiful verses. Well, actually, 18 is also beautiful verses in the Bible. It says, For the Lord himself will descend mm. from heaven. This is his second coming. With a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words, it says in verse 18. It's the timing. Mm. The, those few who, or those ones who came up with Christ and his resurrection are the, the wave sheaf. They have gone to God as an example, as um, a portion of those who will be resurrected. When Jesus comes a second time, those who are dead will rise out of their graves and those who are alive will join them in the air to meet mm. the Lord. Okay. Beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you for that. Lena, the resurrection of Jesus um, wasn't sort of a one-off event. How many people witnessed the risen Jesus? A huge number of people witnessed. Um, so on that Sunday, um, first of all, Mary Magdalene, she was there. And also uh, and some other women, Peter, and also the, uh, the two disciples on their way to Emmaus. And finally, uh, the disciples of Jesus themselves, except Thomas in the upper room. And um, uh, then during the 40 days uh, between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, uh, he was also seen by over 500 brethren at once and also by James. And um, after Jesus's ascension, he, wa- he appeared to Paul and, um, you know, there would be many others who were um, not recorded in the scripture. We may not really know. Mm. Just to comment on, on Thomas, uh, Thomas t- tends to get a bad rap uh, in things. Yes. How would you describe Thomas? Uh, doubting Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas was an ordinary people like the rest of us. Who, but he was one of those people who needs evidence before he believes. He wants um, something tangible to hang his faith on. Whereas Jesus pronounced a blessing upon those who believe in him without having seen. They believe the Bible. They believe what, they, uh, what the disciples said. Let me just read it in John 20, verses 25, 27 and 28. It says, The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. This is talking to Thomas. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the prints of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails um, and, and into the, my hand into his side, I will not believe. Then Jesus turned up and he says to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And in verse 29, Jesus said to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. They believe the report that they're given. That's what God wants us to do. 
There's another interesting point there that comes out too. <clears throat> Thomas is dealing with a real physical body. Mm. Put your hand in my side. This isn't sort of putting your hand through a, an <laughs> ethereal sort of yeah. spirit. This is a real physical body. That's that, right. And Jesus ate things as well, which is mm. quite interesting. Now, Rosemary, I'm going to stay with you. Mm. Um, we're going to read John. I want to read John chapter 6 and verse 40. John 6 and verse 40, and it says... And this is the will of him that sent me, and every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. What is Jesus actually saying here? It's really the, the risen Lord is so important to all of us. We can have the cross, but if there's no resurrection, the cross is of no value. Um, we're still in our sins because if Jesus didn't rise, our sins are no good. Let me just read you something I, I put down here for this. Without the resurrection, the cross would be only a beautiful philosophy of unselfish service that cannot save. It cannot save. We are not forgiven. It's a demonstration of sacrificial love with no solution to sin and suffering, so we have no eternal life. It's no better. Jesus' death would then be no better than the death of any other guru or religious leader. He would still be in the grave and our faith would be irrelevant. And Paul discusses this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 to 19, and it's a really, really good discussion on whether or not Christ resurrected, and if he didn't, what that means. Mm, powerful, powerful. It is very important. Lena, I'm going to put the last question to you. What does the resurrection mean to you? It gives me incredible hope and love for Jesus Christ, and we can find um, beautiful um, here, uh, a verse here in Titus um, 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So we have the blessed hope, for, um, you know, because of Jesus Christ who died for us. And um, because of this reason, this is a good news, so that we should, we must share this good news with other people. Yeah, it gives us hope, doesn't it? Do you know, I was raised to believe that when I died... If I, was, if I was good, I'd go to heaven. If I was bad, I'd go to some other place, which wasn't so good. And it didn't make much sense to me why there'd need to be a resurrection and Jesus coming back, because if I'm good, I'm already in heaven. What's the point? Mm. And um, There's, going, some, going there's some people who believe all sorts of things about it. So going yeah. through the resurrection is important to understand the Bible. That's all we have time for. So thank you, Rosemary. Thank you, Lena. The resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of that select group of saints we were talking about puts everything into perspective. It connects the teachings of the state of the dead as a sleep waiting to be woken by Jesus and the judgment. There are many eyewitnesses who saw him die and saw him alive again. They saw the resurrected saints as the first fruits, as Rosemary said, of the resurrection of the righteous. The resurrection of Jesus is indeed the blessed hope. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Redeemer, we invite you to do it now. So thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus our teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au and join us again next time 
and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.